What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up and coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. If that sits well with you, sit back, grab a beverage, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I am your host, DC. And, of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, y'all? So, on today's episode, we had a recent fight that happened. A fight that broke my heart. A fight that I Say didn't want to see so. happen. I didn't want to see the fight happen, right? But, you know, shit happens. <laughs> right? <laughs> so... We recently had the boxing match between Anderson, the GOAT, all-time great, you can't say anything bad about him, Silva, versus Jake Paul. And Jake Paul won. So, before I go into any of my biased opinion about anything, because <laughs> you and I have not talked about this fight, I want to go ahead and get your synopsis one just overall of the fight and everything like that just you know get your opinions on the fight because everything that i'm going to say is going to be biased so i'm going to tell everybody that up front but i still think it's valid so what you got so i'm going to this under the uh, assumption um or presuming that this is all on the up and up i know there's a lot of talk about the fights are fixed and all jake paul's fights are fixed and uh I'm just never really into that. I think nowadays, anything that's sanctioned, it's really hard to fix fights and stuff like that. I'm not saying it never happens. I'm saying it can't happen. I'm just saying to do it consistently. Very difficult to do in the climate. So all of this is based around the idea that these are real fights and this is the real. I agree with that. So, um, and and if you disagree, I don't even, I'm not even going to have that argument. Maybe you're right. I don't know, but that's, this is where I'm coming from. Look, I don't even I don't even admit WWE's fixed, and that's their fucking business model. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, but as it got closer to this fight, now early on, I was like, it was never going to happen, and Anderson would destroy him. The closer the fight got to happening, the more I didn't want it to happen. I did want it to happen early when he was fight when he beat Askren. You know, then when he beat Woodley, I really wanted a Silva fight because I wanted someone to come in and, you know, represent the MMA and, and to beat him. But the closer it got to the fight, the more um, I thought, man, Jake Paul looks like he's getting good at this. So the more I didn't want it to happen because I didn't want to keep even open the opportunity that it could go the way it did. And saying this kid, uh, I, I heard. 
not to make Andrew Tate the ultimate authority, but there was kind of a quote of him talking about Jake Paul. And he said, look, the kid could fight. He's out in Puerto Rico training with some of the best in the world. He's legit. And when you have the money to train at the highest level, you know what I mean? That can go a long way. And, um, you know, I think he's a big, strong guy that picks up stuff athletically. It was a legit challenge. Anderson Silva's the biggest guy he's fought. He's the first true striker he fought. He's the first uh, rangy guy. And it was a back-and-forth fight. And uh, they're both, you know, a little worse for wear. And I think, uh, I mean, I don't know about taking it to the next level. You know, like he's talking about fighting Canelo and stuff like that. But as far as these, you know, celebrity-type fights, if as long as he keeps it to... You know, MMA guys, he could maybe beat Connor. You know, if he keeps it to that level of people, not actual top ranked boxers, he looks like he might be able to do this for a minute. Yeah. So, um, so for me, for the fight, one, I agree with you on that. I didn't even watch most of what people had out there. I guess somebody was telling me that there were some clips and it looked like. One of the punches didn't land or the knockdown punch didn't land or something like that. I didn't look into any, any of that. I didn't entertain it. It's funny, me and my cousin was talking about it. He he brought up a point that I agree with. And he was like, you know, I just don't see Anderson as that type of guy to throw a fight, which I agree with. So even if I question any other fight, which in, I never, that was never my argument as far as fights being fixed for him. I do think, there's a lot of things that he'd do to his benefit, as we talked about before, like fighting smaller dudes and everything like that. And to your point, this is the first guy that he fought that was his size. I think he's very strategic, but I don't think he's paying off fighters to throw fights. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think that's what's happening. Right. I but agree. now, if we take that and put that to the side, and this is where I said maybe I'm biased, but one, I think Anderson actually won that fight. And it's funny because a few other MMA fighters and stuff that I saw out there, including Sam Alvey, made a whole post about it. He was like, you know, I'm I'm confused on the score, and I really had Silver winning that fight. I think Anderson won that fight. The problem, the only thing where I came in where I was like, ah, boxing, of course, as we know, I actually seen down. a couple scorecards that had Anderson winning fairly decisively. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, um, the only thing where I see where you can maybe call it even was because of the knockdown. And unlike MMA and boxing, a knockdown is an automatic 10 8, uh, you know, 10 8 round, period. Right. Doesn't matter what happened. You knock a guy down, that's a 10 8. Unless you knock him down more than once or he knocks you down. So automatic 10 8, right? Other than that, I saw him winning. The issue in the fight, and this is where. In my opinion, Jake Paul is smart for not fighting boxes. At the end of the day, the guys that he's fighting, so if we look at his record, he's had six fights, right? Out of those six fights, we had one dude I don't know. It was his debut fight. Nate Robinson, a really short, small basketball player, debut fight. You don't you don't know Anson Gibb, dude? You're not with I the show? I do not know him. <laughs> uh Ben Askren, debut fight, MMA fighter, but of course, as we know, he was never known for being the best boxer. I will say this though, let me put an asterisk there. 
I thought that this was a winnable fight for Ben Askren, even with that being said. At the Go time, ahead. I thought so also. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, Ben Askren is an MA, MMA fighter in the same way that like Dan Severn is an MMA fighter. Like, Well, yeah, technically, but he's not not even close to being a stand-up fighter. Right. And not to mention, you know, everything that he he's had been going through well past his prime. We get into Woodley, another small guy, MMA fighter, well past his prime. And, you know, most of us would say in MMA, he was shell-shocked by the time he got to this fight. But once again, an asterisk, I still thought this was a winnable fight for Tyron Woodley. Okay. And it's and important in, that I say this. Go ahead. I was going to say, and, and it is a, a, a winnable fight for Woodley, and I thought so at the time. But this is also a very strategic fight from Jake Paul because even where Tyron Woodley has some legit stand up, some knockout wins, some striking resume, he was never a volume puncher. He was a one punch counter kind of guy, which is right. a good fit against a someone that's training boxing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what you said is what I'm walking down the path of going through. His plan, I think, is brilliant. Right. We know he that was Willie's debut also. So his first four fights was all debuts. Fifth fight was the second fight with Willie where he knocked Willie out. Right. That Willie was 0-1. His sixth fight is Anderson Silva. The first time he's fighting a big guy, the first time people are looking at this as a legitimate challenge for him, right? Um, he's uh, what is he was three and one, right? But his his first loss was something that people don't even really look at because it was really before he kind of got into MMA. It was before we knew Anderson Silva. But a record is a record, so it goes on his record, right? Well, and he had a um. He had another fight in there that got classified as an exhibition. That was a, you know, that was a boxing match also. So probably should have been, you know, four and one. Yep. I agree. So when we look at that, right. And we look at, okay, when he finally fought a dude his size, he also picked a guy, one that was a legend, two, that was an MMA fighter, not a boxer and three, not a big puncher. Right. So now when I go to the fight and I look at what happened in that fight, Anderson's did all the Anderson stuff. He slipped punches. He landed punches. He made Jake Paul look silly in a couple of ways. But Jake Paul did something that, in my opinion, you really have to train boxing to really understand how to effectively counter. Jake Paul didn't go out there, in my opinion, to fight Anderson Silva. As soon as Anderson would slip a couple punches and hit him, he would ball up into a shell and go back to the ropes. And from there, he continued to come up with his head, and he continued to try to slip out haymakers from that, right? And Anderson Silva, not being a boxer, but an MMA fighter, even though he can strike, I don't think he had the understanding technique to do to understand what to do when a fighter does that in the boxing world. Let's say how you mentioned Canelo. If that was Canelo and he did that one, 
the first thing Canelo likely would have did was stepped off or angled off and hit him to the body hard a couple times. And then angle off and let him come back up so that I can do what I've been doing to you. And then after I do that a couple times, you really understand you're not going to be able to ball up in a shell and I'm not going to walk in and smother my punches and you're going to get hit really hard to the body. He'll stop doing that. He'll come up some, which now leaves him vulnerable. Also, a lot of, in my opinion, what we saw as damage on Anderson Silva's face came from him coming up with his head and also he kept throwing the forearm out at Anderson Silva. And I think Anderson Silva, excuse me, I think Anderson Silva played it way too safe in that fight. And in my opinion, that fight shouldn't have even been close. But I think he did his typical Anderson Silva stuff, slip, throw punches, everything like that. But when you're fighting in boxing and you're fighting, uh, um, I mean, we have to call Jake Paul an icon just for sheer um, celebrity, right? You're fighting in boxing, it's eight rounds and it's an icon. And he's throw, he's, when he actually lands, it's a hard punch. It's hard for you to win that decision in his backyard, right? So in my opinion, I hear him call out Canelo and stuff like that. I say make the Canelo fight. I understand what he's trying to do. He does not want to fight a boxer unless it's the biggest money possible because I think he's going to have that one fight and retire. What's the reason I say that? Him and Eddie Hearn went back and forth. Eddie Hearn on multiple times offered some of his boxers at that weight class. He said he would have no problem matching up one of his boxers with Jake Paul. And he was even willing to do a side bet of like a million dollars. I forget what it was that he was going to put up. Jake Paul wanted no part of that because Jake Paul is going for a very brilliant strategy that he's executing brilliantly to me. And if he goes out there to fight Canelo, it would probably be the biggest fighter in, in boxing history. I think it would break the records of um of um um of um Connor and um Connor and Mayweather. I think it could do numbers that size. Sure, because people would want to see it and people would be amazed that that fight happened. And right now in boxing, Canelo's the money man. In celebrity boxing, Jake Paul's the money man. You put them together. Jake Paul is probably going to go out there, take a couple hard shots to the body, take a knee, and walk away with a pocket full of money. That's my feeling as to what happened and what Jake Paul's plan is. Do you think it would be a bigger money fight than uh, Mayweather versus Connor? I do. I do. I think it could do bigger numbers because I think um, I think Jake Paul is very, very polarizing. And I think right now Canelo... Canelo's definitely the money man in boxing right now, right? It's not even close. Uh, as far as active boxers, I can't really count what Mayweather's doing because Mayweather's only doing exhibitions, even though he's still fighting, right? But as far as active boxers, Canelo's the money man right now. And for what Jake Paul is doing over on his end, I think they could put together something really big. And I think simply because of the plan that Jake Paul put together, he put together a plan, in my opinion, that piques interest as to what he would do against a boxer. The problem is 
I don't think that it piques that interest if it's a regular boxer. That's why I don't think he wants to, he doesn't want to fight number, number 50, number 30, number 20, or number 10. He wants to fight the number one guy, get a big bag of money, and leave boxing. That's my opinion. And then just stay as a promoter and talk shit. So I agree. I think it could be more more money than uh, the Mayweather-Connor fight. And the reason I say that is, like you said, Canelo's the money man right now. And, you know, Mayweather, you know, sold a lot of pay-per-views. But boxing is a sport where you have this built-in fan base and they're going to come out for the big ones, regardless of who that guy is. And Canelo's going to bring that to the table. And where Connor brought the casual fans to the table... It was still kind of the casual combat sport fans where Jake Paul brings in the super casual fan, the people that wouldn't watch a sport otherwise. And that might sound silly, but when you're, you know, when you're at a, in a boardroom, you can put a a number on that and that's big, big money because there's this usual fan base that they just don't buy into that kind of stuff, period. And that's, you know, something that Jake Paul brings with his namesake. So I think it'd be bigger than that. And yeah, you're looking at, you know, a hundred million dollars. I mean, that'd be worth getting your ass beat by Canelo by. Yeah. And um, I do think Jake's a big guy. He's a strong guy. I think, you know, um, he's been able to take this seriously and make some stuff happens. But yeah, I think you get in there with an elite level, world-class, all-time great like Canelo. And even despite the size difference, because we've seen Canelo has been able to kind of counter that size difference against other high level, top ranked, bigger boxers. So I, I think he hands Jake an ass whooping handily, but for the right price, whatever, yeah. you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I agree. And I do want to say and this it, about... oh, real quick. And it kind mm-hmm. of makes for the ultimate, like, which the Logan, the Paul brothers are at the core. That kind of makes it like the world's biggest, the world's biggest long-term troll. Like he put years of commitment and training into getting, working people up into the whole great white hype to sell this big ass fight to get his ass beat by Canelo. It's the same thing the guys do in Jackass. They just jump in the ring and get beat, get the shit beat out of them and don't make much money. He's going to actually pull it off and make, you know, a huge, you know, huge payday off it. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And, um, you know, he's definitely a, a troll. And he does, like, the bets that he do with people, the side bets and stuff. He, I mean, he's, in my opinion, the, the the most brilliant thing is his plan. It's not his boxing. I don't. I think he actually looked worse in this fight than he did in any other fight. He he was in a turtle shell against the ropes a whole lot, just trying to get out of there. He didn't look like a, nothing about that performance looked like a crisp boxer that was ready for anywhere near the mid, let alone the top of boxing. But he won, and part of that is he's a big, strong guy that hits hard. That's really what it really came down to. Young, big, strong guy to his heart. But to your point, yeah, I think he, um, I think he did good at, you know, he continues to do good at trolling people, trying to get other people's skin, everything like that. And then, like I said, he makes these bets at the end. Like he got Anderson Silva to say, hey, if I lost, 
will team up together. Anderson Silva was the face of MMA for a long time. He got him to team up with him to help. And, and, you know, Anderson was very smart and said, no, this is not about the UFC. This is about MMA, period. But if you listen to what Jake Paul said, specifically to help UFC fighters, um, you know, with healthcare and all these other things, basically try to create a fighter union. Um, this was brilliant, him going down that path and doing that. So I think a lot of what he does in his planning is really brilliant. His boxing, it's not that I think he's bad. I, I just don't think it's very, I don't think the skill level is very high. And I think seeing him in there with a Anderson Silva, who's a skilled guy, but still not a boxer, in my opinion, exposed even more that it's not that his skill level is this high. Because if you had a, a actual boxer that trained boxing, going back to you know what I mentioned about the angles and different things like that, it's very different if you spent your whole life in MMA or kickboxing or whatever else. Because if a guy folds over against the ropes or the ring or whatever, like Jake Paul did, your immediate instinct is to knee him or something. So now that you're a boxer, your first thought is don't knee him. This is boxing, right? You're not automatic. You don't have the automatic muscles, automatic memory to say, angle off and hit him to the body, then throw one to the head to step off. You don't, it's not programmed in for years and years and years of de- doing it, right? So I think that's a part of why what Logan Paul has done, I'm sorry, what Jake Paul has done has been so brilliant in the way he's chosen his opponents. Even when he went up to, it's a guy my size, he's a legend, but he's also not a big puncher. And I know I can turtle up and hit him with big shots. And I'm going to just keep waiting, keep waiting, and throw big shots. I think it was brilliant. Um, So two questions. What's next for Silva? What's next for Jake Paul? We kind of talked about the Jake Paul thing, but those two questions. So... As far as Anderson Silva, I mean, I don't know really what he wants to do. Um, with the boxing, if he wants to keep doing it, I don't mind because he's not, doesn't seem to be getting hurt out there. You know, he's he's not fighting the best of the world. But I don't see what else you have to prove. And I, and I really feel like uh, you look at, he's competed now in multiple versions of, of combat sports um, and some success at both. You had some highs and you had some lows. I think it's probably the best time for him to wrap it up because I don't see any fights out there that are really interesting that I'd be anxious to see Anderson Silva in. And And to be honest, I feel like that would have been my answer had he won. Um, if he'd have won this fight the way that the fight went, because like if he goes in there and he knocks uh, Jake Paul out in the first round, then you say, okay, well, you know, maybe just keep working your way up the boxing ladder. But even if he won, the fact that you kind of went to a war with Jake Paul would tell me, you know what, you know, it's, it's running its course at some point. And uh, so I don't, I don't have a lot, you know, for Anderson Silva. Um, as far as Jake Paul, I mean, I think boxing Nate Diaz, I think that's the fight that'll probably happen. I think both of them want it. You know, you, you got to figure for a lot of these SU, UFC guys, 
something that's a little bit of money for Jake Paul is a lot of money for these these former UFC fighters. Now, Nate's in a better position than, say, a Woodley or a Askren, obviously. But he's still in a position for one of his bigger paydays, I think, with a Jake Paul fight. I personally don't want to fight that, see that, because I think Jake Paul could possibly beat him. Yeah, I would. I definitely don't want to see that fight for the same reason that I mentioned. Um, I think he'd come in, not be too big of a difference in size with Jake Paul. He'd still be the smaller man, but it won't be a big difference. But the problem is, he's not a big puncher, right? Let's say you know, and he's not. He's not the big slipping punches. He's more of a tough guy. Jake Paul has heavy hands. You know, heavy hands, as as we know, it's one of those things. It's not even whether you're a fighter or not. Some people just have heavy hands, you know? Doesn't matter whether you're trained or not trained. You can have a guy first time walking into the gym and he's hitting miss and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, damn, that's a lot of power. And, and I'm talking about the guys just throwing effortless. He's not purposely trying to put the power out there. Jake Paul hits hard, period, point blank. You can't take anything away from him. I don't think that's a good fight for Nate Diaz. I think there's other ways to make money, make a bag out there. And in my opinion, I don't think he should go for it, take that fight. Um, and, and Nate Diaz is a slow starter, too. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and that worries me in that fight. Yeah. To your Anderson Silva comment. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think the thing about it with Anderson Silva, because he is who he is and what he's doing, I think he can do whatever he wants to do next. If he wants another fight, he's still a name. He can get another fight. It's not like he's fighting champions right now. He can go on a whole, you know, retired boxer tour and just start fighting old boxers since he's an old MMA fighter. You know, he could, he could the, box MVP and bare knuckle. No. So let's move on from that. Uh, uh, you know, he talked about for years fighting Roy Jones Jr., right? That still might be a fight, a celebrity fight that people may want to see. Roy Jones didn't look bad when him and Tyson fought, right? So I think there's avenues for him. That The problem is, to your point about retirement, I just don't think he's going to retire. I don't think he's ever going to retire. I think if he's 55 years old, and there's a fight out there for him, and he believes that he can, not that he can win, if he believes that he can get in the ring and fight, he would do it. And that's a sad situation because we know how that ends, and it never ends well. Um, for Jake Paul, continue to be Jake Paul. Call out people, you know, it, it, get your chill sunning on. Claim to be the, the champion of the world. Say all the champs are scared of you and try and pull a Canelo or somebody like that out for a really big payday, and then retire. His brother Logan was already saying he thinks he should retire after this fight because at the end of the day, I think he knows he's not a real boxer. He knows what is he's doing in that ring as far as, I think he understands that he's boxed with enough boxers in training to know the difference between them and him. Once again, going back to that turtle show that he was doing, I think he understands what's going on. I think he's looking for that big payday. And hey, if you're brave enough to go out there and do it, I think you should go do it. But at some point, you got a bunch of money from all these different avenues. You have a promotion now. 
fighters will respect you because you were you were man enough to get in that ring. Stay on your promotion side, do your MMA union side, and continue to build hype around other fights and make your money that way. Get a big payday and leave. I don't think he should he should box anymore. I think once he gets to that upper level, he's going to get hurt. Now, if he wants to continue to do celebrity type boxing, yeah, he probably can do that for a while. He probably can knock a few guys out. But I think it's more and more of these celebrities that he doesn't realize that's going to be starting to train just like he's training. And then it's a whole different ballgame, and he gets surprised by somebody that's not even a fighter, you know? All of a sudden, uh, Jason Bateman comes out and knocks him out or some shit. <laughs> right. Or like, what's the guy who's been crushing it in, uh, you know, I don't know actors, but he's been crushing it in BJJ. Um I want to say it said he played. Yeah, he's been crushing and he's it. He's been in legit BJJ. crushing it too. Yeah, and 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 if people hadn't been posting it, because from what I've seen, it doesn't seem like he's going out on like a tour telling people he's doing this. It. Just hey, he's at this fucking event. And he's you know submitting everybody. Um, well, I think two things for there, once they for one they've been like charity based events, and two he's. Hey a legit jujitsu player. So at some point, some gyms focus on that competition for promotion. So, you know what I mean? He might be, that's what I feel like is he's really trying to take jujitsu seriously. And that's why he's doing these tournaments because they're real tournaments and he's not promoting them. I think he's just doing it for the jujitsu. Well, that's my point about the, the boxing though, right? You don't know who else is out there taking it serious. That's not out there putting everything out. Like for example, I don't know if he's still doing it, but Wiz Khalifa, like maybe shoot, it had to be about seven years ago now, started legit training in Muay Thai. You know, when when he started showing those pictures of him, really had transformed his body. He was always a really thin guy. All of a sudden, he had this muscle and everything else, and he was talking about. It. He's like, man, I got into Muay Thai and this, that, and the other. But it it came out in an interview. But he's not out there promoting it or touting it, right? So. Looks easily, good, in too. my opinion, yeah, easily, in my opinion, it can be somebody like that on the boxing end that would really surprise Jake Paul. And, and you know, you have a different expectation when you think it's just another celebrity for a boxer or whoever else. And, you know, it can it can change the outlook of things. But any last words on that before we move on? No, the one thing I want to say is, uh, that Tom Hardy, he went to one of those tournaments, and uh, before one of the matches, the guy he was about to, uh, you know, grapple with comes up to him. He's like, I'm a big fan. I don't know how to really handle this. Like, how was it supposed to go? And Tom Hardy was like, hey, just, you know what I mean? Just go out there, do your thing. Just treat me like you would any other guy. And the guy's like, all right. And then Tom Hardy went out there and strangled him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's funny about that, like, you know, I'm fans of some fighters and stuff like that, but I've never had that outlook, I think, that people have of who you are. I don't think it would matter in what I would be going out there to do, especially that jujitsu match. Like, I don't care if I'm a fan. We'll do this, and then maybe at the end when it's all over, I'll come talk to you, but I don't even want to talk to you beforehand. I was going out there to win. <laughs> For sure. But uh, next topic. So um, recently we had a fight between Arnold Allen and um, Calvin Cater. 
This is at uh, UFC Fight Night 213. And um, Arnold Allen won that fight. Um, unfortunately, it came on the end of, you know, something weird happened with Calvin Cater's knee after stepping down. I never looked into it further. I don't know if he came into the fight with a knee injury or if it literally happened in the cage. But um, what that did do for Arnold Allen is he's undefeated in the UFC right now. And his last few wins, he has Calvin Cater, who still goes down as a TKO, Dan Hooker, TKO elbows, Sadiq Youssef, he won a decision, Nick Lentz, you know, I like to do five, and Gilbert Melendez. Um, so he, and that's not the only five in the UFC, this is just the last five, but he's undefeated in the UFC right now. In a picture um, for the UFC where we know he's in, he's featherweight, so we know Volkanovski is going to go and try and fight for the lightweight title. And below him, we have Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez, uh, Brian Ortega, Josh Emmett, and then Calvin Carter, who he just beat. So, one, what did you kind of think? It's not a whole lot to say about the outcome, but what did you think about the outcome? And then, in your thoughts, what's next for Arnold Allen? And how do you see that kind of shake up in um, Featherweight? Yeah, so that was, uh, it's always a bummer. Um, you hate seeing fights go down like that and injury. And and, and I'm a guy, and, and this is a real asshole opinion, but I, I say a lot, like when you look at the all Jermaine Sterling thing, to some degrees, even even Connor, when, when guys get injured, where I don't like to see the injury, I think this is, a, it's a hurt sport. So sometimes... I don't like it when guys get hurt fighting and then say, oh, well, you know, it's because I got hurt. Well, like, well, yeah, you got hurt fighting. Like, they hurt you. Um, but this was like a legit freak thing. It was like even like a non-contact uh, kind of thing. So th that always sucks. But what's a real bummer is if you look at, you know, Cater's last few fights, uh, he's got this one with the knee injury. And then the Josh Emmett fight is a fight that he probably won. He comes out on the bad side of a split decision. Um, you know, he had a, a win against Chik Chikadze before that, but, uh, the Max Holloway fight is one of those beatings that possibly took a little out of the gas tank permanently. Um, so it's just a guy I feel bad for a cater who, uh, I really like a lot, but it's, it's been a tough run lately. Um, but as far as Arnold Allen, uh, I mean, the kid's on a run, he's got some names, not some high ranking guys until Cater, but you know, he's got some, some good names on there. And I think the fight that I'd really like to see next is him. And uh, I think him and Yair should fight. I mean, they're both coming off kind of freak accident wins. Um, You know, they're both up in the top looking at the title pitcher type thing. And uh, I think it's a, a really good title eliminator type fight you know we got some time Volkanovski's doing his own thing uh but I think it's either a really good number one contender slash title shot fight yeah I like that one so um I agree with you and what I put down was uh, because we don't know what's going on with Volkanovski I think you prepared a division for his exit and if he comes back he comes back and the winner of this little thing that I put together fights Volkanovski 
So we got Max still out there. Max seems to be able to beat everybody not named Volkanovski, right? We got uh, Emmett out there that's still, um, you know, he's doing real good right now. He's on a good streak of his own. He's on a five-fight win streak. Um, one of those, as you mentioned, was Carter, which was a split decision, but we're just looking at the records, right? So I think you put Match Holloway versus Emmett, and I think you put together Yair Rodriguez versus Arnold Allen, and then the winner of those, the winners of those two fights, either at that point in time, we should have an idea whether Rokanowski's coming back or whether he's leaving a division. He's coming back, the winner of those fight to see who fights Volkanovski. And if Volkanovski leaves, the winner of those fights fight and they become the new champion of that division. Um, and to me, that's the only way you can kind of shake it out. Um, to your point, um, he doesn't have a lot of big names, but it's still way better than you know how critical I am of some of the people that we put up there for title contention, including Islam, right? He has all the Dagestanis. Yeah, he has way bigger names on his record than Islam ever fought to get to a title picture, right? So, so that's an even a factor in the UFC. But how um, dare you disrespect Bobby Green like that? <laughs> I like Bobby Green, but still. <laughs> But, that's um, the that's what I hate most about that situation is that whole situation makes me dis- disrespect Bobby Green for no reason <laughs> who I like. But yeah, so I think um I think that's what needs to happen there. And I think it gives him that I mean he's already at I haven't seen that they've updated the rankings after his win. So they still have him on a UFC site as number six, but you have to guess, even though it's a freak accident, you gotta put him above Calvin Cater. So you got to put him at number five. And as I mentioned, above him is Volkanovski, Holloway, Yair, Ortega, and Emmett. So I think that's the way that you have to shake him out. And now with a top five win, and he's undefeated in the UFC, you can make a case for him fighting the the title against anybody who has the title. And that's the way I see that should shake out. Any other thoughts on that one? No, I agree. The, the only problem with that is I feel like what happens is I think Yair probably beats Arnold. Max beats Emmett. Then Max beats Yair, gets the title again, just in time for Volkanovski to be like, <laughs> no, I won't give me my belt back. I want to come back. He'll come back down just for one fight, just to sh- to fucking ruin Max's legacy, which is weird because ironically, yeah. in theory, he likes Max, but his whole whole life around revolves around stealing his legacy away from him. Yeah, that's hilarious. What you said, that's that's one of the problems when you're a guy like Max. Um until we see it, nobody else at 145 pounds is beating him other than Volkanovsky. Until we see it. We haven't right. seen that he's lost that yet. Based on the other fights, we haven't seen that he's lost that. Now, it's possible we know how things work. You have a couple fights, couple wars. That last Volkanovski fight was the first one that I think may have took a little bit out of Max. 
And I don't really think it was that controversial, right? I don't think it was controversial as far as the win. But from everything else we've seen, what he did to Yair, what he did to Kate, just what he did down the line, Max still seemed to be the biggest monster. And in my opinion, he usually make guys leave a lot more in the ring than Volkanovski does, even if they're fighting the same guy, right? So um, I think that's one of the problems. So to your point, yeah, Max may come out of that. And then the UFC has to decide what they want to do because the reality is they probably don't want a Max Volk 4 when Max have won none of those fights. That would be a hard sell, right? Um, so they would have to kind of figure out what they would do there. But I just don't see any any way else to match that up. And how do you not give Max one of those guys kind of up and coming when he's only lost to Volkanovski? You know, his only other loss in recent years was at 155, right? At 145, he's only lost to Volkanovski in the last damn 10 years, <laughs> you know? So... You know, what do you do in that situation? So that's the only way I can see it. You know, the only other thing that the UFC can put that together and hope that it's that time and it's the changing of the guard and Maxion's finally lost a step. You know? And at that point in time, maybe if that does happen, that's Max calling and say, you know what? It's time, if I'm losing this guy, it's time to go ahead and hang it up. But I want to throw one more thing in on Arnold Allen. One of the reasons why he doesn't have, and for a lot of people, he wasn't even on their radar is because he just doesn't fight often. Um, when I looked it up, I didn't realize he had been in the UFC since 2015. But he had one fight in 2015, one fight in 2016, one fight in 2017, one fight in 2018, 2019, he had two fights, 2021 fight, 2021, one fight. And then this year he's had two fights, right? So he just wasn't active. And, and you normally don't see that from an up and coming contender in, in particular, a guy that pretty much just got in the UFC where they're fighting once a year. But that's the reason why you really don't see a lot of or didn't see a lot of buzz around him. But for the little bit we saw in that fight, I still think there's a lot of skill there. And so I really want to see him against somebody else in that top five. Any thoughts before we move on? Uh, nope. I think uh, oh, yeah, the last thing, and you don't even got to answer this. It's just always, anytime I see an up and coming guy that is on, like, look, if you're. John Jones, I don't wonder why he's only fighting once every two years or whatever. I get, it, you know, um, Coke is expensive, but he makes a lot of money. It's okay. Uh, How dare you? The blasphemy. <laughs> but when I see these up and coming guys and they're fighting once a year for years and years, and I'm like, what do you do for a living? Like, I just assume he's English and he only fights once a year. He must be running with Lee, Lee, Lee Murray's. Uh, crew of crack dealers or something and doesn't need the money because I don't know how you survive on a UFC undercard salary fighting once a year. Yeah, no, I would agree. I have no idea what he has going on, but especially to decide to stay in it. And obviously he's continuing to train because he still looks good in these fights, right? 
So he's doing something over the last eight years, fighting once a year. But yeah, maybe, maybe he's a minimalist and he's just, you know, he's got one of those mini houses or, you know, like lives in yeah. a little trailer or something. Like, <laughs> you know, low cost of living guy. It's just bizarre. It's possible. Okay. Moving on. Our next topic and our final topic. This guy is actually one of my all time favorite fighters. I may not have ever mentioned that before on this podcast. I'm not sure. But on that same card, we had Andre Arlowski versus Marco De Lima. Andre Arlowski lost that fight. This is my issue. Now, he lost via a submission. But this is my issue or my question. It's hard to question him having that fight because he was on a four-fight win streak. But he's 43 years old now. His record is 34 and 21. And he suffered 11 losses via KO. Okay? When I look at that, and it's a guy that I really like, it comes into that realm as another one of those people where, where I question, why are they still fighting? Can he still beat a lot of good guys? Yes. Is he going to be the champion? No. Especially not in today's MMA. And it's funny, you know, I was thinking about something from an episode ago or we had or whenever it comes out. It may come out after this. Who knows? But, um, you know, TJ had mentioned to him we're in kind of a gloomy state of MMA. And for a lot of MMA right now, in my opinion, I'm seeing a lot of excitement in MMA, right? I forgot to mention it on that cast, but I'm seeing a lot of excitement. And the heavyweight division is one of those, and I think we talked about it before. You got some really dangerous big guys at heavyweight. Um, I see a lot of exciting matchups that can happen. In none of those scenarios do I see Arlowski winning the heavyweight title. If John Jones go up, I don't see him beating John Jones. I don't see him beating Stipe. I don't see him beating Francis. I don't see him beating Don. Why is he sticking around to do this, particularly in the division where we know there's more knockouts than anything else? Thoughts? No, I'm with you. And um, the problem is I've been a proponent of saying it's time for Arlovsky to go. And then he always has a career resurgence. Like always, this is like the like third or fourth time. Like he left the UFC True. and then fell apart and then got back together, got back in the UFC, then fell apart again. Then they had his shit together. Then... So every time you, you give up on him, he puts together a run, right? But I think we look at it now for one. Physically, he's nowhere near the uh, conditioned athlete he used to be. Um, you could see it in his body. I don't know if that's a USADA thing or an age thing or a combination or whatever. Um, but it shows in his fighting. He doesn't fight the way he was when he was the pit bull that, you know, was a, a big draw. And yeah, he he was on a four fight win streak, which I agree with. But when you look, he hasn't beat a guy his last six wins are all guys that outside of Chase Sherman, who is still a low-level guy, most people wouldn't recognize the names, 
None of them are ranked in the top 15. They're all decision wins. A couple of them are split decision wins. So it's like, you know, I get sticking around. To me, you don't have to be a title contender. If if there's still some fun fights to be made, I'm I'm down for it. But just watching Andre Olaski fighting, you know, kind of up and comers that are out hanging out outside of the top fifteen. To me, that's not ex- interesting fights, and and I honestly don't know why he's still doing it. Um. So yeah, I think now that you're losing to these guys, I think it's definitely probably time to to move on. Which I, I feel like he's another one of these guys like Anderson Silva, who I say this, but he's never actually going to move on. He's just going to go box lower level guys, like you know, like for Triller or some shit. Yeah, I want to tell you what's funny about him and what I think he should do. And I know that you think that I'm going to say that he should go in a no gi BJJ <laughs> and iron out a career over there. But no, that is not what I'm going to say. This is what I will say. I think he easily, just like how you have so many other um, guys going over into, whether it's a podcast or whether it's, um, you know, a YouTube channel or whatever else. um, I think he has a lane there. And this is what I think the lane is. He's Belarusian, right? He's from Belarus. Um, Technically, that is not Russia but they were a part of the USSR, right? Um, I think with so many up-and-coming fighters from that Eastern Bloc, you know, Eastern European, Russian area, they don't have a voice right now of a recognizable face other than an active fighter. And I think he easily can take up that lane. And most of those guys don't, in my opinion, don't really have a personality that fits in with, let's say, a U.S. audience or a universal audience. I think he does. In his interviews, it's not even that he's the most exciting guy, but in his interviews, even with his action and everything like that, I think he shows charisma and some other things. I just think he doesn't go down that road because he's still so focused on being a fighter. But I think he has a whole lane down that road. And I think, you know, he has a lane that started talking about and telling us ahead of time about some of the up-and-coming Russian fighters, some of the up-and-coming Polish fighters. You know, we got a lot of fighters coming out of that Eastern Bloc that we usually don't know about until they become champions or, you know, until they really hit that upper echelon before they become champions. And it's not that I'm saying he should only focus on that. But what I'm saying is just like everything else, when you when there's a voice for your people and when you represent such a large group of people, I think there's a whole lane in the avenue, especially when you talk about dollars, where he can go down that road and become a whole a different, you know, become a personality for lack of better terms and not have to go out there and take fights and things of that sort. And I think it's a void that's missing. Um, listen, at the end of the day. For example, if you're if you love boxing and you're a Latino, it's great if you're a fighter is represented. 
but it's even better if your fighter is represented and somebody else that represents you is also doing the commentary. There is a lane for that. It's a reason why every time I go to a damn UFC or boxing pay-per-view or whatever else, they ask me, do I want it English or Spanish? It's not some, it's not some old school, like when we were younger watching karate movies with the fake, you know, overdub. No, these are really people talking in Spanish, right? There's a whole different commentary group and everything like that. And I feel like he has a lane for the Eastern Bloc and Russia and everything to be able to do that. That's where I think he should go. Because I do believe, I'm trying to look it up real quick. I don't find it. I believe he speaks multiple languages. Oh, I'm sure he does coming from that area because they were, you know, under rule, so to speak, uh, and with so many different people and relationships. And it's one of those countries that's completely bordered by other countries. So they had to be a mixing pot of sorts. But yeah, I I definitely think um, I would like to see him find some kind of a lane. And, and, you know, that's an important thing that you mentioned because I always think of when I look at like a life outside of fighting and I look at influencer, content creator, analyst, I always think, well, because I am an American, I'm a typical American. So I, I don't know, if you don't speak English, then probably can't do it. And And I always forget there's a whole avenue out there for people that love this stuff but don't have that kind of content and thirsty for it so um but yeah i think that's a way better option than kind of dicking around outside of the you know the historic worst division in ufc's top 15 yeah i agree and to your point yeah and that's one of those things as americans we look at it a little bit different because we we only look at it from our lane but Especially when you look at the amount of money that a lot of these fighters make and you compare it to the money that some of these YouTubers or podcasters and stuff make, they make a lot more money than fighters. And when you can find a lane, and it's not like um, the Eastern Bloc is, it's not like, and I, I don't mean this when I say this in any form of disrespect whatsoever. But it's not like in some small town in India, right, where if this channel becomes larger, advertisers are not willing to put a lot of dollars behind it because they're looking at your audience and saying, well, these individuals may not be able to afford whatever this product is, because that is a part of how you make your money with the advertisements. You know, over in Europe, even Eastern Europe, there's money over there. People are spending money. Russia, there's money over there. People are, I know Russia's going through a thing with the war in Ukraine and everything like that, but there's money over there. People are spending money. So he still has an audience where even if he didn't get Americans and just brought in that audience, it is something that advertisers would be willing to pay for because it is a group of people that have the resources to spend money. And that's what advertisers look at. For sure. So, as usual, we solve the world problems. You know, fighters out here, they don't know week what to do. They should come to us. This is what we do. You know, we've, we've created a whole career. 
for Andre Arlowski. I just, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, message him. I'll probably DM him like, listen, you got to listen to this episode. We solved everything for you. Now, what I don't want here is for him to decide that I'm saying he old and should retire. And then he comes and beat me up because that wouldn't be really good. You know what I mean? I'm, if he hit me with one body shot, I'm going to go down. I'm just letting everybody know. So when the video comes out or on YouTube or whatever else, I'm telling you all ahead of time. <laughs> one body shot, I'm going down. That's it. <laughs> well, I would be down before one body shot because because uh, you'd have to chase me down and I can't run very far. So I would already be on the ground <laughs> grasping for breath before it could body shot me from my feeble attempt to run away. Because I am not fighting Andre Flavsky. See, I think I can outrun him because, as you know, I've been training because I'm training for a 5K. So I think I can outrun him right now. The problem is when he catches me, right? Because I, I think I can get him for a nice amount of time, but I don't know how much stamina he has, right? And then he's like 6'4", or whatever he is, so I'm pretty sure he's taking giant steps. And all of my below 6-foot height, I'm taking small steps. So he, he may have speed on me. I still think I can get him, but at some point I'll slow down, and when he catches up to me, if he gives me one body shot, especially while I'm winded, that's pretty much the end of the fight, you know? So just know, Arlowski, this is what love. You're one of my all-time favorite fighters. Don't hit me with a body shot. You know, I'm not one of those jackass dudes. I don't I don't marvel in uh pain and punishment. I'm not one. I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> so what do I think Andre Arlowski should should do next? I think he should get into beating up dorky podcasters. That's what I think his next career move is. So you may brain back beat down bully. Because if you remember, he was on Beatdown Bully. Oh, was he? Yeah. I thought we talked about on that. On I mean, he episodes. might have been. I don't, I don't remember. That's yeah. a little, been a long time ago now. Yeah. He, or Bully Beatdown, whatever it was called. Yeah. They actually brought Andre Olowski out. I would have uh, absolutely used the restroom on myself. But, yeah. But, anyway, I think we solved a lot of problems. We sorted out things that featherweight. We decided what Jake Paul need to do. We also decided that Anderson Silva was going to do whatever the hell he wanted to do. And then we found a new career for Andre Olowski. I feel really confident about this episode. Anything else before we office. wrap it up? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Come again. That wraps up another great Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at topic at fatboymma.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.